The Art Dealer Diaries are brought to you by Medicine Man Gallery, located for over 26 years in Tucson, Arizona, specializing in antique Native American art, early Western art, including the famed Maynard Dixon, as well as modern art. You can find everything online at medicinemangallery.com. There's over 6,000 objects to select from. Also, the Charles Bloom Murder Mystery Series, written by yours truly, me, Mark Sublett. There's eight books in the series. And they follow the protagonist Charles Bloom through all the intrigue of the art world set in Santa Fe and the Navajo Nation. These can be found on Audible, eBooks, Amazon, and of course, the gallery at medicinemangallery.com. I had Jeff Mitchell on today, and I've known Jeff for, I think, 27 years, and really interesting guy, a very sweet man, who has loved art and has a unique, like so many art dealers do, story of, you know, how he became, you know, a leader in his field, primarily dealing in more of deceased art and with really a specialty in, in Dixon, which is an area that he and I have in common. And uh, so we delve into that somewhat as the fact that just getting to hear <laughs> all the, you know, the changes in his life from being a construction worker a couple times to a museum director to a gallery owner to a private dealer and just how that happens, how somebody's life plays out over 45 years and um, at least his professional life. He's been around on the planet a lot longer than that. But when you get the opportunity to sit down and talk with somebody in a very intimate situation where you can learn about the things that they go through, it's always unique. And this is no exception. I enjoyed this podcast a great deal. Jeff Mitchell. Tucson's getting found too. Well, yeah. is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Folks coming from... Everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. I mean, I almost don't want to talk about it because I don't want more people to come. By the way, we're on. We're talking live now with you on the okay. podcast. So okay. I have Jeff Mitchell on here. We're discussing Bend, Oregon, which he lives in part-time, <clears throat> and then Phoenix part-time, or Scottsdale probably, actually, right? Is it Scottsdale or is it Phoenix? It's uh, Paradise Valley. I'm oh, sorry. That's an important one. That's that's that's. <laughs> That's the Some most. Ex- think so. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, th- I just saw an article on it about the most expensive uh, suburb or little city or whatever. It's in, one of them in Phoenix. Yeah, yes. no, it's a great Phoenix. Uh, Paradise Valley is really wonderful. It's beautiful. Yeah, it is, and I uh, I hope Mark that uh, you, you and I have known each other for a long time. I hope twenty seven years. Is that how yeah. long it's uh-huh. been? When you uh, come up sometime, you'll let me know you're coming and come to the house. Yeah, I'd like to. You're probably not that far from Ed Mel's place. Uh, we're 10 minutes from yeah, Ed. Yeah. yeah. Who I go to see on, a, try to make on a regular basis. Yeah. So, but I was saying about Tucson, as far as Tucson's coming, and Phoenix too, and all these places, when you look at where in America can you live that you don't have forest fires, hurricanes, tornadoes. Um, it's warm almost all the time of the year. You're limited to a very few places, really. Las Vegas, you know, Phoenix, Tucson, Albuquerque, you know. Okay, I'm done. Where else? You know, there really aren't. You know, on almost a daily basis, um, I look around and I say to Janet, we are so 
fortunate. And, you know, Phoenix Valley is three and a half million yeah, people. Yeah, no, it's huge. But, but PV is, uh, there's still lots of nature. Yeah. I have coyotes come through. I have... Uh, they have those in New Havilina. York, too, by the way. <laughs> New York City. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so. Havilena come and uh, drink the bird water and yeah. eat the leaves off the cactus. And Yeah, it reminds me of Tucson, that area does. Yeah. And they does. have the little mountain there and things. Yeah. yeah. No, there is something about it. Yeah. And that's why it's the most expensive place in Phoenix to live. Yeah. So. Yes, it is. Yeah. So, let's, yeah, let's just kind of... Go from the beginning with you, Jeff, because I've known you, like we said, uh, 27 years, but I don't know the whole story. I don't know where you grew up. I know bits and pieces. I know there's some really interesting parts of your of your career, including military service like myself. Um, but where did you grow up? Tucson. Yeah. Um, I thought that was right, but yes, uh-huh. I didn't uh, know for sure. Uh, born in the East. My father was from Boston. My mother was from Manhattan. And uh, they were divorced when I was about five and a half. My mother was uh, uh, old um, uh, style uh, secretary. Took mm. shorthand, could type a thousand words a minute, you know, that sort of thing. And uh, she uh, took me. Uh, after the divorce, and we moved to Benson. Mm, why Benson? Well, she took a job at the Apache Powder Plant outside of town and uh, was there for about uh, a year and a half. A uh, Hispanic family took care of me, Armida Romero. Uh, wonderful, wonderful memories. Uh, and uh, then... Uh, she took a job at the University of Arizona in the Aggie Building. Mm -hmm. We moved to Tucson. I grew up on uh, Park Avenue and Drakman, uh, right close to. Uh, that's all. It used to be a wonderful little small mm -hmm. houses and uh, still is, I think, in that area. Actually. It is. So it's primarily rented to students now. And so when you were born, your mom was from Manhattan. Your dad from was Boston. Yes. Were they? Where were they living when they were still married? Uh, in I, I, it's very interesting, Mark. I have very little history of it, uh, memory of the history. I and I'm not sure why. Uh, Trauma, maybe. Yeah, there probably was some unpleasantness that, yeah. that I've blocked out. Um, but. Uh, uh, Either in Manhattan or um, uh, across the Hudson in New Jersey, they, that's where they would have been living. Yeah, because I think of this, you know, two people that are living in big major cities in America that they get a divorce and they and your mom goes as far away as possible in a lot of respects to a place that's completely different than that well it was that was extreme extreme yeah and uh you're right uh, uh my uncle her twin brother was a mining engineer in torreon mexico mm. and he said to my mother early on bring jeff to mexico get back on your feet and so we were there we weren't there long maybe a half year 
and then she gravitated from Mexico. I see. Up to uh, Arizona. I see. So that's the deal. He, yeah. She went to family and was in Mexico, and then that allowed her to move on once she got through whatever trauma she yeah, was dealing with. Because exactly. that was a big deal to get a divorce in those days, too. So it, it was. Yeah. Uh, it was. And, uh, uh, and then... She raising a, a young boy alone out yeah. in the yeah, in the area that she didn't know at all. But I have wonderful memories of it. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah I'm sure she'd probably tried to make it wonderful too. Yeah. And did she ever remarry or have other? You have any other siblings? Uh, no other siblings. She never remarried. Uh, I remember uh, there was a uh, a rancher, a cowboy, from Wilcox that. Uh, I uh, used to come see her, and I asked uh, her about that and uh, why they didn't get married. And she was quiet for a moment or two and said, I don't like the way he treats you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you are her everything, I'm sure. Yeah. And did you keep a relationship with your father at all? I saw him very uh, little. He uh, was not a part of my life at all. He decided he he remarried, and the woman he married said to him, as he has told me or did, you need to get in touch with Jeff and establish a relationship, which he did when I was about the end of high school. Mm. Uh, and um, that was it. He And he fell in love with the West decided that he would uh, retire and move to Green Valley, mm. Was had bought a house, and he and Lil, his new wife, uh, were packing up to go. He got up uh, to walk across the living room and fell over, uh, and he was his body was full of cancer mm. and uh, lasted two weeks. Mm. So uh, he never made it. Yeah, you wonder if he knew something was cooking, and that's why he was coming to Green Valley, you know? Don't know. A lot of people who have cancer like that, they know something's wrong. And often they don't get seen because they don't want to have it. Oh, that's interesting. In, yeah, they don't want to. You I, would be aware of oh, that. Oh, I used to see it. It'd come in in end-stage cancer and never been seen, and they know something's wrong, but they don't want to confront it. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. but you know, maybe if I move to Green Valley and get see my son and all that, yeah. maybe there's something I don't know. That's me complete yeah. speculation on my part. Um, but one has to wonder. So, when you're growing up in Tucson, um, what was this kind of the early when you're in, let's say, you know, kind of junior high, high school, kind of the early 60s time frame, late 50s, early 60s? It, uh, it was earlier. I went to University Heights grade school on Park Avenue and then uh, Mansfield Junior High and then Tucson High and uh -huh. graduated from uh, Tucson High in 59. 59. Yeah, well, you look so young. It's just... <laughs> yeah, right. Well, that's true. Went in the Marine Corps right out of high school. So why did you do that when you're, it's 1959, mm -hmm. and what was it that you said, okay, this is where I need to go? Because I knew I was not a good student, and I realized that it would be wrong to try to just go on to school, mm. and uh, it was a great challenge. 
um, uh, turned out that it was uh, a great experience mm -hmm. for me. Uh, I uh, was in a max outfit, Marine Air Control Squadron, mm -hmm. went straight to the Philippine Islands, from Philippine Islands to Japan, um, over a year in Japan. And uh, interestingly, Mark, in, in retrospect now, um, the early Japanese experience was very enlightening from an aesthetic point of view, mm. that culture, mm -hmm. everything about it. Yeah, lots of in beauty and art is taken seriously yeah. and all Right that. down to the way candies yeah. are wrapped. Yeah, everything. Yeah. To the rock in front of your house. Yeah. And so before you go to the Marine Corps, were you interested in art at all? Were you drawing or making art or doing any of that kind of stuff? No. Do, what were your interests when you were in? Athletics. Yeah. Uh-huh. And what kind of things were you doing? Uh, football and track. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Pole vaulted and uh, distance running. Uh -huh. <laughs> and were you good at it? Average. Yeah. I wasn't great. I was not a good pole vaulter. Nobody is. <laughs> I tried. It's in high school, too. Yeah, very hard. Um, wonderful sport, though. Yeah. <laughs> and so you go to the Marine Corps. You're uh -huh. an enlisted guy, I assume, right? Yeah. 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 And you end up in uh, in Japan, Okinawa. Uh, 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 no. Uh, well, after uh, after boot camp yeah. was uh, uh, school. Yeah. For uh, the the uh, radar. Yes. And that then uh, we were sent, I was sent to the Philippine Islands to be with a max outfit down there. Okay. And I loved it down there. I mean, you're 19 years old and right. uh, living, on the, living on the beach, really. We right. lived in World War II Quonset huts and, you know, it was uh, right, uh, visited Corregidor and... Um, uh, where MacArthur had uh, gone into the cave and made his statement, I will return. Right. Yeah. And he did. Yeah, Trust did. Uh, Dressed yeah. in his, all his finest, yeah. none yeah. of it military issue. <laughs> yeah. I remember one, uh, just a little side story that you would appreciate. Uh, we lived in these Quonset huts that were uh, from the war. And... Pygmies still had free run on the base because during the war, when uh, the Japanese had uh, uh, captured people and were taking them on a march, mm -hmm. the Pygmies, um, we were told, and in uh, Marine Corps boot camp, we were told, mm -hmm. that they would hide and shoot poison darts at the Japanese oh, wow. uh, guards. Yeah. And they were still honored with Helping. The, uh, able to come in. And uh, we frequently would come back from some detail of some sort and there'd be uh, a guy uh, with his bow and arrow sleeping on our cot. Oh, wow. They... They would, and I had a wonderful set of bow and arrow with that. I have no idea where it drifted off to. I don't have it any longer. I wish I did. 
Did they talk about it at that time, the Bataan Death March? Yes. When you were there, I would think. Yes. I actually had one patient that survived that. Is that right? Yeah, in the military, a retired guy, yeah. Yeah. And uh, he still couldn't talk about it, you know, and he was still having problems from it, you know. He was probably at that time in late 70s or so. Really? Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, bad. Don't get over that. No, you don't get over that. No. Ever. You can't. You just try to deal with life, I think. So you do that for four years? Are you active? Four. Four, yeah. And two years inactive. Yeah. When I uh, uh, came back, went right uh, to the Obey and went, went through uh, undergraduate in three years and then uh, went to New York, studied design. So when you're in U of A... What were you? What was your major? What were you getting your degree? I in? started in business, took a, a um, design class in the art school, and said, "This is it. I want to do this." Isn't that interesting? How you had never really had any interest in art or anything, or maybe it just wasn't exposure. Yeah. And then you take one well, class, and you're so you're like twenty two or twenty three or something. Uh huh. Exactly. Yeah. And went to the head of the art department, and he said, no, don't do that. You can't make, I remember this clearly, uh, you'll never make a living if you just study art. So I took a minor in business, and mm-hmm. and, uh, and I loved I loved being in the art department. Mm. Um, and, and then uh, after going to New York, uh, uh, went to Pratt. Um, the Pratt School of Design. Uh, yes, in Brooklyn, uh, uh-huh. there was a. I worked for a design firm, Ken Sacco Associates. Uh, it was a very small group that uh, worked for all great companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and one of the uh, other design firms we did work for. Uh, the guy was head of uh, the design uh, department at Pratt, and mm-hmm. he said, "Would he said I'd like you to come to school? I'll give you a full ride if you do it." And Ken Sacco uh, uh, let me go for a, a year, and then I went back to them mm-hmm. when I graduated. And where were the, and when you say you went back to them, where were, Ken Sacco Associates, right in Manhattan? Yeah. Yeah, at that at that point, fifty fourth Street. So that had to be an eye opener too, right? You, you bet. Because you're five years in Manhattan. I mean, you've seen the Philippines, you've seen the world to some extent, but you haven't seen art or been exposed to Manhattan, right. especially in. Right. And what was that like? That must have been well. It was wonderful, right? Yeah, yeah. and uh, lived uh, in uh, a brownstone fourth floor walk up. <laughs> on uh, at the corner of 80th and Madison, mm-hmm. one block from the Met, mm. so you know what's there. I mean, the Guggenheim yeah. is there, the Met's there, Madison Avenue at that time was galleries, and it was uh, 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 terribly exciting uh, five years. Yeah, and so what years were you there? You know, Mark, uh, it was 80s. Was it that? It was. It was it that late or earlier? Yeah, because you gradu- or, or was it? Yeah, because you you go to you graduate high school in '59, right? And you spend four years in the 
in millage. Yeah, so that's like 63 no, and right. then another three you're years. Right. No. So 66. So you're it's kind of late 60s. Late millage. 60s or uh, 70. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, and, right in that time and, frame. Uh, and the Vietnam War is going on now. That's right. And do you remember that whole thing when you're in New York and what was your take on that being an ex-Marine? Yeah, no, I, I have no strong memory of that. Yeah, well, you had served your country, so you knew you probably weren't going back. Well, there was always a chance that uh, yeah. you'd well, you be could. called up. Oh, I understand that. Yeah. I remember feeling that when I was doing my residency, that I might get called back into the Iraq yeah. War. But so you didn't really, one way or the other, have this is something I have strong feelings about on them. I must have marked, but uh, it it doesn't uh, it, it hasn't stayed with me. I, yeah. I, I, I don't I don't remember any strong feelings at the time. Yeah. I have to say there are a lot of things that I look back on now, and uh, uh, Janet will ask me, "Well, what do you think?" And I say, "Gosh, you know, I I, I'm, I, I don't even remember that." Yeah. Well, you're a little older too. And I think that yeah. makes a difference too. Even though it's only, you know, maybe eight years or so, you're a little further along in your life, and you're the people that you know probably aren't getting drafted and being sent to New York right. to, to Vietnam. That's right. You know, it's the people that are 17, 18, 19, That's 20, right. 21, and you're older than that. So I can see that. What about the music scene that was going on as well? Was that of any? Well, I've always liked music, uh, but uh, I don't remember it being... Yeah, because Woodstock uh, would have been going on right. while you were in Manhattan. Yeah. So you didn't yeah. go, I'm going over there? <laughs> <laughs> it's surprising. I've interviewed a lot of people that actually have gone yeah. or were there. Oh, yeah, is that right? At that time, yeah. Yeah. Um, so you do the... So you're in New York, and you stay there for five years? Five years. And so then what happens? I, um, I decided we both, uh, both of my children, Noel, my daughter, and uh, Morgan, my son, uh, were born there. Uh, Morgan was born in New York City Hospital. Mm -hmm. And I thought, uh, I don't want the kids to grow up here. Yeah. And by then I was missing the West. Mm. And so came back to Tucson. Um, Took a job working construction and fell off a building into uh, a bricks, a pile of bricks that uh, had been a wall and blown down in a monsoon. Mm -hmm. And really uh, uh, had a bit of a head injury. Mm. Uh, was taken to the U of A uh, medical school, which was just opening mm -hmm. at the time. And uh, somehow, through talking to the docs and their knowing my background, was hired as chief medical artist at the medical center and uh, was there for a couple years. And what does that job entail? Uh, first thing I did was hire a good uh, medical artist. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was going to say, no, you're not because a, I, you're not I, an artist. No, uh, but uh, a lot of that, as you know, is 
done with photography. Mm -hmm. So I was basically doing what I did in New York, a lot of graphic design mm. for brochures for the hospital. And uh, uh, I remember uh, some of the uh, most important ones were for the surgery department. Yeah. Trying to think of uh, the head of surgery at the time. Uh, and anyway, that was for about two years. And um, the director of the art museum on campus was a fellow by the name of Bill Stedman. Mm -hmm. And uh, he had known me from undergraduate school and said, I need a, he came to me, asked me to have lunch with him. And he said, I, I'd like to have a, an assistant director mm. uh, if I can create the position, would you take it? And I said, I would love to come and work at the museum. Mm -hmm. And that happened very quickly. And so that would have been kind of early, mid-70s time frame? Yeah, I guess so. I, you know, I should have, uh, knowing I'd be chatting with you, That's I should have gone back and, and looked at these dates. Yeah, but somewhere in that time frame, yeah. probably. Yeah. You're, you have two young kids. Yeah. And how old are they? Uh, now, today? No, no, then. They then would have been. They would have been uh, Morgan. Uh, Morgan is the younger, and Morgan at that time would have been six or seven. Yeah. And Noel yeah. uh, would have been uh, uh, eight, nine. Yeah. Yeah. So and you so you take this director they do they assistant are, director. but they're they're able to make it yes. and this is the art museum in the university. on campus yeah which actually has some amazing art they have by the some way. wonderful and I and I they I, do and most very, of it's in the vault and I, yeah it is and I'm very interested to hear about that because uh, well let's just talk about that so they you, you're an assistant director for that at that point did you come across Dixon. Because Edith Hamlin had donated all those 1900 portraits. Or do you remember if that was when that came in? Because you would have been exposed to all the stuff, and they do have all those, you know, Mojave pieces from the turn of the century. I don't recall having a, a, a strong connection to Dixon at that time. Um, I've always been interested in modern art, mm. and and that museum has. Uh, yeah, I, I tell Lothko, you, one painting they have Cody. that I still go back to look at yeah. is uh, they have a Mirandi, uh, who is one of my all-time favorites of any painter yeah. at any time in history, and um, and you know they had uh, uh, lots of. Uh, uh, they had early Kandinsky, uh, yeah. 1910. Yeah, uh, they have an O'Keefe, a Rothko, uh, yeah. a de Kooning. The de Kooning was the one was that still was there. stolen. Was it still there when you were there? Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. yes, it was. <laughs> we, yeah. They got it back, by the way. Yes, you I know. know that, it's but, an interesting yeah. story, yeah, it isn't is. it? Yes, it yeah. is very much so. Yeah. So how long did you stay as that in that position? Five years. Yeah, a long time. Five years, and uh, I heard of a job opening at the Millicent Rogers Museum in Taos. Right. And I mentioned it to uh, Bill Stedman, my boss, the right. director. 
And he said, go for it, Jeff. And uh, the board uh, for the museum were all from Manhattan and uh, uh, the Millicent Rogers yes. family. Right. Uh, they yeah. were, at that time of year, they would have been uh, out on Long Island and in Manhattan. And he said, uh, apply, and uh, I did. And um, was asked to go back and interview, and Bill was very kind at the time. He said, if, if you go back, he said, I, I know I'll lose you because they, they'll want to keep you. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, he was very kind. And, um, and, and uh, I took that job. It was a very exciting job to I be bet. in Taos. Uh, we had... Prior to that, bought a uh, couple acre lot uh, just as you're coming into Taos. And I'd always had a, uh, a dream of uh, moving there mm. and, and painting. During all this, I so always when, painted. Okay, when did that start? When did you start painting? Were you. When I was at the U of A Museum of Art, uh, I. Uh, turned the garage. We lived on 8th Street, uh, uh, between 8th Street, 6th Avenue, and Country Club, turned the garage into a studio, and was doing large geometric uh, modern paintings. Mm. And I had started doing uh, some of that. It was different. It wasn't, uh, at that time, it became three-dimensional, but I was doing geometric paintings, and they let me do them in undergraduate school when I was a student at the U of A. Mm. Uh, even though the classes might not have been doing that, for some reason the teachers, because you were older and uh, right. uh, for, for whatever the reason was, I was given a great deal of freedom to, to do pretty much what I wanted. And were you trying to sell any of those art or find representation? Yes, uh, showed with uh, the Harlands. You remember the Harlands? Mm -hmm. They are in real estate now and are still here. They had a very fine modern uh, gallery. Mm, small. In Tucson. Yeah, uh, yes. Oh, uh -huh. That's interesting. I've never On heard of it. On Speedway. How interesting. Uh huh. And so. <clears throat> Do you think you might have, things have been different? You could have just been an artist? I gave that a great deal of thought, Mark, and decided I liked the business aspect of it as well as uh, uh, painting. Yeah. And I still keep a studio uh, at, at the house now. And do you still create? Yes. Nice. Uh-huh. Uh, and when I go to Bend in the summer, when we go to Bend in the summer, I take watercolors. I like I like uh, quick watercolors. Uh, and do you just try to sell any of yours or have representations mm, no. just for you? Yeah. Yeah, at this yeah. point. It's and just, friends. And, yeah. yeah, nice. Yeah. yeah. So you um, go to Taos. It's kind of maybe been a dream of yours because you already have land there. Clearly, you were thinking of it. Yeah. And you're the museum director at the Millicent Rogers? Yes. I mean, you've been assistant director for five years. You know what's required, but it's still not the same as being the person that gets all the buck stops here. Uh, at the Millicent yeah. Rogers? Yes. 
Yes, and it was the first uh, person to be uh, truly a director. The uh, Dixie Yapel and John were assistants to Millicent when she was alive, and they sort of inherited mm. paying attention to those objects and uh, uh, maintaining uh, the rooms and so on and so forth. It, it was pretty mom and pop at that point. Mm. Yeah, what a collection though, still. Oh my gosh, yeah. yeah. Their weaving collection. Uh, Everything, their katinas, yeah. their, their yeah. silverwork, their yes. Hispanic material. Yes. You know, I don't think they probably had the Maria collection at that point. They right? did not. Yeah. They I think, uh, later. didn't uh, Denny Lyon, uh, wasn't he a part of the Mar Maria collection? Well, to them? it wouldn't surprise me. I, I know that Anita Day ended up giving her collection, the Day I family see. had basically it all came up there and you know that would have been after that was probably in the 90s early 90s maybe. yes later yeah. yeah but it's an amazing it's one of the great maria collections actually it is the great maria collection better yeah. than anywhere else in fact um so anybody who hasn't been there i highly recommend it yeah, <laughs> yeah. and so you're 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 learning new things you're taking new responsibilities and you're probably actually this is when you probably get to be exposed to things like the Taos Founders. Yes, and uh, one of the things that um, I did immediately was the board uh, for the museum at that time was basically the Ramos family Yes, <clears throat> and uh, uh, a couple other people. And I felt here we were, uh, in a Hispanic and Native American uh, town, and there weren't uh, either uh, on the board. Mm. So the first thing I did was uh, have a, uh, I had Tony Reyna. Do you know, uh, did you ever know Tony? Know he name. was uh, governor of the Pueblo yeah. at the time, uh, come on the board. And uh, the uh, uh, the Hispanic woman was a uh, I've forgotten her name now. She she was a retired teacher from Taos. Mm. Had retired, taught in California, came back to Taos, and um, uh, began building the board and having them. Uh, interesting aside, you I I'll mention this if I may. Um, because uh, I don't want to forget it. Fritz Shoulder had a house up there at the time. Mm. No one knew about it. He had a house in uh, Scottsdale, and he had a house in uh, Ranchos mm -hmm. uh, down uh, south of Santa Fe. and uh, Not Ranchos. Um, what's the town uh, south of uh, Santa Fe down by... Uh, La Cienega, maybe? Down in that area, yeah. he had Wilson, uh, area Galisteo. Galisteo. He yeah. was in Galisteo, mm -hmm. but he he kept a little adobe up in uh, uh, Taos, where he would. He was so popular at the time. This is kind of the. This 80s, would have been eighties, early, early uh huh, yeah. early eighties, and he would go up there to hide and hmm. paint and um, just meditate. And he would uh, he'd come to the uh, come to the uh, museum, and I would take things out of the showcases. They were all in glass cases, right. 
and we'd take him out on the lawn and he'd sketch him and take photographs of him. And now I see so many of those paintings that were that he was doing at the time. And I remember Fritz saying at the time, Jeff, I don't know how you live up here. And I said, well, what, what are you talking about? He said, that mountain mm. is so strong that I can't sleep for two nights. He said, I will pace the floor for two nights before I get tired enough that I can sleep through a night up here. Mm. I get that. Yeah. I feel that with Mauna Kea in, in uh, Hawaii. Do you? Uh-huh. Yeah. Well... Yeah, uh, I, I I know it and believe it as well. And I mentioned it to Tony Arena over lunch once, the man I mentioned yes. that's on the board, and said, Tony, Anglos always say, uh, it's because of your culture and the Pueblo being right under the mountain. And he waited for about... 30 seconds and leaned across the table and he said, Jeff, why do you think our ancestors came here in the first place? Hmm. <laughs> yeah, the mountain pulled them. Yeah. Yeah. So what was it? What kind of guy was Fritz Shoulder? I mean, I've had lots of people who knew him. I I knew him, actually. He used to come and see my Dixon stuff, but I didn't really know him intimately. Well, my experience wa- with him was... Uh, he was a regular guy. Yeah, he, mine he too, just, Yeah, he, uh, you know, he he didn't have to uh, be on right the way he would at an opening and and right. so forth. No, he was a super guy, uh, uh, and appreciative and fun and yeah, yeah, and clearly sensitive to certain things oh, as well. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's interesting to think of him in those terms of being such a superstar at that time that he had to literally go up to hide from, you know, the Santa Fe crowd and probably yeah. even the Phoenix crowd yeah. for that matter. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. So how long do you stay at Millicent Rogers? Five years. I can just put everything in five year increments. Yeah. Uh, Janet, <laughs> Janet has pointed that out to me. Uh, five years, uh, was divorced. I was divorced in Taos uh, I have a love-hate relationship with Taos uh, because of that. Uh, I had brought my mother up from Green Valley to be there. She died in the Taos hospital mm. uh, at, at about the same time. Mm. And uh, I then, uh, because of the divorce, because of everything, my life just being uh, turned upside down in every way. Mm-hmm. Uh, got my uh, pickup and uh, drove across country, slept in uh, cornfields and uh, uh, headed for and uh, ultimately getting to Maine because my family had uh, had time in Maine, the New York part of the family, mm-hmm. not not my dad. Uh, my mother, mm-hmm. uh, that's the Brown side of Mitchell Brown. Mm. Uh, my mother's maiden name was Brown. Mm. And they had uh, a home in South Bristol. And I decided I wanted to get in touch with those roots. 
I took a class at a uh, in Bath, Maine, uh, Shelter Institute. It was about a two-month class, classroom in the morning, and then you'd go to a different construction site during the day, uh, during the afternoon, and uh, work on one house would be you'd do electric, another house you'd do roofing, another house you'd be pouring a foundation, mm. and that would change every day. And I, w I went for the class, uh, as I said, which was two months, and I ended up staying in Maine for five years. I just fell in love with it. Wow. And were you doing construction the whole time? Uh, and went to work, uh, yes, but went to work for, uh, uh, I worked for a wonderful construction group there, but went to work for Baradoff Galleries mm. in Portland, mm -hmm. which is still in existence. Mm -hmm. Doing Rock, sales kind of thing? Uh, yes, and they they didn't want to pay me. Have you? Yeah. Uh, and uh, <laughs> they didn't said, want to pay you? you have, no, they said, uh, we'd love to have you with us, but... You have to, if you can earn your keep, uh, you can stay with us. Yes. And uh, uh, that worked out. And, and I, I stayed, for, stayed for a while, not long. And but so I, were, I loved Maine. And what were they, what were you selling at that? Well, they did the auctions yeah. uh, at that time, but uh, uh, whatever came in the door. And in Maine. Everything came in the door. It did. Yeah. You never knew. You could you could see a Hartley one day, yeah. and uh, uh, and of course all those wonderful uh, Homers yeah. are at the museum. Just uh, th that was about four doors down from Baradoff at the time. And so that was your first exposure to actually doing buying and selling of art. It was, and it, it, clearly you must have found that intriguing or interesting. Yes, very much so. Yeah. So did, at that point, when you <clears throat> leave Maine and, well, let me just ask you to step back. When you go, how old are you when you have this kind of really, I would call a midlife crisis in a weird way? Uh, 30s. Yeah. Kind of mid to late. Mid, mid to late 30s. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so you're now in your 40s and do you leave there thinking, okay, I'm going to go back into the art world? Because something drew you back to... The West. Yes, it did. And it was uh, my son Morgan turning 14. Mm. And um, his, he had been living with his mother, mm -hmm. spending summers with me in Maine. He, he, he worked for a lobsterman pulling traps mm -hmm. and, and used to complain about getting up at 3.30 in the morning. I have to hard <laughs> and job. I said, I said, Morgan... You're going to remember these days yeah. uh, with great affection. And he's 52 now, uh, 52, 53. Yeah. He's the one that became a Navy SEAL for eight years. Yeah. And uh, he, uh, he says, well, uh, I'll finish my thought. Where, where were we on? Uh, you said. Uh, yeah, what brought you back to the West? Yes, he turned 14. Thank you. Yeah. He turned 14. Uh, his mother said he could come and live with me at the time. And I decided I didn't want him to come to Maine. I would come back out to Arizona. Yeah, spend more time, easier, yeah. everything. Yeah. Yeah. And so did you go to Phoenix or Tucson? No, Tucson. Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh huh. 
And so you get back here, and what's your plan? Um, or do you have one? <laughs> uh, I did. I opened a little frame shop gallery yes. on Grant Road, rented from George Goebel. You know yeah. the Goebel family? Yeah. Uh, George's interior design firm was, I rented from him. It yeah. was a complex of about three little buildings on Grant Road, and, and I had the front. And you were going to do framing and then sell Framing, and, and all I had at the time were some botanicals. Mm. And from there, it just be, began growing. And so when you when it started growing, what were you selling? Were you selling contemporary art at all or deceased or just anything you, that came in? It was pretty much all older things. Yeah. Um, no one was really doing that at that time probably here either, was it? Was this kind of a late 80s time frame? Yes, that's yeah. exactly when it was. Yeah. Yeah, I mean Stewart probably was in business at that point, and uh, Rosequist. Yeah, of course Rosequist. Rosequist would have been. Yeah, yeah, they were still yeah. in business. And so, do you remember when you got your first Dixon? Did it come when during this period, or was that a little later? That had to have been right at about that time. Yeah, I think uh, I moved to Campbell Avenue. Mm -hmm. Uh, after about two years, um, the owners of the Kaibab shop, mm -hmm. and you probably knew them from mm -hmm. uh, they. He he became uh, partners with uh, Ray Dewey. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, and I uh, leased Kaufman. Was his name? That's Kaufman Dewey. Was it Kaufman? Mm -hmm. Yep. I just, Trying to think of her name, uh, his wife. I don't uh, know, but she's, she's still, still here. She, yeah, she's still a. Yeah. Um, what was his first name? I can't remember. Can't this remember. That's yeah. good. Good to know that I'm not. That I can't remember everything too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but I can remember one of his yeah. Maynard Dixon paintings. And, and that, that I was, can remember. <laughs> and the, the, there were three Dixons that came at once, and I could go through the books and show them to you. And they were owned by. Um, um, oh, uh, the singer... Um, Ron Stetts. The Ron Stett family. Yes. Yes. There were three. They were small, uh, uh, 10 by uh, maybe 12 by 16 or 10 by 14. Mm. They were all uh, little adobes. Mm. And that was the beginning. Did you have a clue of who he was at that point? Oh, yeah. You did? Oh, yeah. 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 At some point. And then yeah. you began, you know, I just yeah, developed a passion. Yeah, you yeah. started investigating. And he has a connection to Tucson. Yes. He also has this ability to do some modernistic kind of sensibilities. He's got everything yeah. that you and I both see in him. Yeah. You know. And draftsmen. I mean, those just, drawings yeah, that you have, everything. he's just. Yeah. And so the name of the <clears throat> gallery, was it Mitchell Brown at that time? It's always been Mitchell Brown. Yeah. Uh, when I went up to, uh, I, I, I had a man that wanted to be a partner. Yeah. Uh, that was Duncan. All right. And uh, uh, he wanted to move up to Santa Fe. Right. And uh, that uh, we did that. 
Uh, we moved up to Santa Fe. And, and did you uh, close Mitchell Brown Fine Art here in Tucson? And yes, we just, did. And you went it up to Santa Fe? It was 100%. Yeah, we moved up. Yeah. And what year would have that been when you moved up to Santa Fe? Early 90s? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I would think something like that. And where did you open your gallery in Santa Fe? Right from the start, it was uh, one building off Canyon Road behind the old schoolhouse that's pretty low on Canyon Road, yes. just south of where you were there. Yes. Uh, it was Linda Durham's mm. at the time. Yeah. 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 And so you get there in the early 90s. It was a good time to be in Santa Fe. Great time to be Ooh, there. A lot and, of things going and we on. Did a, uh, we did a big Dixon show that um, the author that Haggerty, you know, Don Haggerty. That Don. Uh, that probably would have with. been associated with that show that he had in like 92, 93. Yes. yes. That and also the first went to book. The, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Desert Dreams and went to. Uh, had an exhibit at the Santa Fe Fine Arts Museum as well. Yes. And that was probably at that time. So it was a perfect timing. Yeah. Yeah. It was just the perfect time. And at that point, did you go, okay, I'm going to handle all comers, but I want to have an <clears throat> emphasis on Dixon? I don't think it was a rational decision in that way. Yeah. I just, I loved his work and I was learning about it and we kind of became known for gosh if you go in there uh, you might see a dixon or right. two and yeah yeah i know back in the days when you could get easily find a dixon or two <laughs> yeah. right yeah a little harder now <laughs> indeed for everything not just dixon but yeah. everything yeah you, know, you just can go down the line including Chris yes. shoulder you know you know so well uh swirls at sunset yeah right. uh, 30 by 25 1925 yeah uh, we sold that painting three times. Yeah, uh, you know they, that's just an example of the way right. thing, things would come back, and it's permanent now, and it will. It's privately owned now in Phoenix, yep. and yeah, I'm sure it'll go to a museum. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's one of the great ones, in my opinion. I yeah, had it. In my it's gallery. one of the great la landscapes. Yeah. yeah, and I had it in my gallery on exhibit a couple different times. Did you? Yeah, when Coates would uh, loan it for shows that I yeah, had. That's right. Yeah. And um, it's uh, the interesting thing I think about that is, and maybe you can speak to it because you've owned it three times. You had it the first time. First time you had it, it was, uh, you clearly recognize it a great painting. I clearly recognize it a great painting. But it was not an easy sell at the first go around, or at least, right? It took a little while. Mark, you, uh, I, I, I wish I could remember. Yeah. I, it certainly didn't have the draw that, it would now. Oh, yeah. And particularly for, with people that understand his work right. and have a sense of how wonderful that picture is. Right. Uh, you know, even, yeah, no, even a, from a... Uh, it's one of my favorites. It's that one of my so landscape favorites. So that tells you something just yeah. in that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my recollection is it was... When, when you first had it, it, it was... We were too far advanced for the public, you know. And uh, you know that composition with. Uh, that's amazing. I've sat, yeah. sat in front of it many times for yes, a long of period course. of time. Yeah. But yes, you're right. I've had one painting I've sold three times. One Dixon I've sold uh -huh. three times, and you know this one up here above on my wall I've had a couple of times. 
first bought it with, from you, actually. Did you? Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, and then I sold it. I didn't want to sell it because I love it because it's the Catalina Mountains, and I sold it in my 96 show and then ended up buying it back at double the price because I wanted it. Then I could afford to keep it, and so yeah. I have. I've had it for whatever, 20-plus year, 25 years, maybe, I don't know, a long time. Um, but there are paintings like that. I'm sure you've had some that you wish you maybe even... You know, I think you're a better dealer in some respects than I am because you're able to sell <laughs> things and not hang on to them. I wish I could afford to hang <laughs> on to them. <laughs> but, I mean, as a dealer, that is your job, right, is to, to buy and sell things, and it's not to hoard. Uh, I'm more in the Allen Stone uh, kind of jib of cloth because I find myself really still being a collector. I can't help myself. And I've always been that way, and that's why I guess I've been able to put the Dixon Museum together because I didn't, pieces that were easy to sell, I didn't sell because I just felt a compulsion to want to and hang that's, on to them. Uh, it's remarkable what you've done, Mark. Yeah. As if, uh, it's remarkable to walk through all that. <laughs> really? It truly is. Yeah, I'm sure there's some old, well, I know there's some old friends. No, oh, yeah. There's at least one in there I know I bought you, So. Yeah, which I was thrilled it's, to get. It's very quite exciting frankly. to to uh, to come in and see him. So you do the it, was it called Mitchell Brown Duncan or Mitchell Duncan? It, it was it was Mitchell Brown Duncan. Yes, and uh, we did a poster uh, that has Duncan's name on it. It's uh, the Navajo. Uh, yeah, 1915. Yeah, I remember it very well. Yeah, I I, and that's a painting I've always loved. And you know, Mark, you know. Uh, composition and art and also well what Dixon did in that and instead of having the negative space in front of the horse yeah, he, put it he, had, <laughs> he had the horse yeah. right on over to the right yeah, and negative did. space behind yeah, him. Yeah that's correct. Yeah. yeah. Yeah it is a great 2030. Yeah. Amazing painting. So that was and that was the poster that you did using that one? That, yeah. that had Duncan's name on yeah. it. Yeah. And so how long did that last it was a short time yeah and so you know being art dealers is tough it's always tough i think we're independent kind of individuals and it's you know it's hard to especially if you have vision of what you want what you should buy what you should not buy what your you know goals are they're very specific often and i know they are for me and i'm sure they were for you so yes. that didn't last you moved on you both moved on, I guess. And so what did you do then? Did you stay in uh, Santa Fe? Or did you go he, private at that point? Or was it a uh, I stayed in Santa Fe and went private. Yeah. Uh, uh, Janet and I had built a house uh, out in uh, uh, south of town, I'm trying to think of the... Uh, it was an 18-mile drive back in yeah. forth that we <laughs> built a wonderful... Uh, Adobe that... Uh, Such a beautiful area. There, oh, it, it, it's all built up out there, but it was so beautiful. We used to... Uh, there were barbed wire fences, and we'd leave salt, uh, salt lick on the mm -hmm. other side, and the antelope would come in. Mm. We'd, we'd see the antelope come in. And, yeah. But that's that's all changed now. But it was a wonderful house, and, uh, you know, uh, as you know very well, we've both done the same thing in, in having uh, 
uh, galleries there, and you, you you never get Santa Fe a hundred percent out of your blood. It's, it's yeah, uh, no, it's true. I was there for twenty years on Canyon yeah. Road. Yeah, straight up twenty. Yeah. Though I love visiting Santa Fe, I love going to it. I'm from New Mexico, so you know yeah. there's a, there's something there. Clearly, I still feel as if I'm a New Mexican, regardless, and that will never change, I guess. Yeah. But um, I will say that it's nice not having to go and work all summer long. You know, work here through May and then work another straight five four months. Yeah. And have a, more of an opportunity to actually enjoy the city for what it is and the art. What is your age now, Mark? I'm 63. Okay. Yeah. So I'm now considered to be one of the old guards, <laughs> which is really weird yeah. since yeah, you well, knew me when I was But you the, started early. Yeah, I did. I started when yeah. I was 32. But yeah, yeah you, but you, you know, you've yeah. known me so long that, you know, it's it's probably even weird for you to go, yeah, God, he doesn't, how can he be an old guard? And if he's an old guard, what am I? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway. So you did private. Uh, private uh, deals um, out of out yeah, of which, uh, our home. And so, how did you like that compared to being a gallerist with an open retail space? Uh, they both have their advantages and disadvantages. Mm-hmm. Um, it suit me. It suit my purse. It suited uh, my personality. Yeah, I, I can see that. I I liked it. Uh, um. And I found, Mark, that when someone would come out to the house, I can think of several people uh, that expressed this at one time or another. We could sit down in the living room, have a coffee, have a glass of wine, depending on the time of day, even uh, have a meal. And I would be able to learn about them and what their interest was, mm-hmm. what their degree of exposure was and so forth, and then develop a long-term relationship, which is really what happened. Our clients are all over the country. We yeah. don't have clients out of the country, but they're all over the country. How do you develop new clients now at this point? Or I mean, you're still dealing, right? Yes. Uh, um I don't do anything to do it. It uh, and when I get a call from someone that is someone I don't know, they always say so and so suggested I call you, mm. uh, or uh, and as you uh, know very well, a lot of uh, uh, very frequently, someone will uh, call and say I have. Uh, this Maynard Dixon, and it has your sticker on the back. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then they go online and find out where you are. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So now you've been doing this as a business for probably close 45 to, years. I was going to say, yeah, 40 years, 45 yeah. years. Yeah. yeah. And so you're now primarily located in Paradise Valley and Bend, but most of you, you, but and you work when you're in Bend too, or no? no? You just when you're in Phoenix. No, only on my phone and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. and computer. And you did have uh, a space <clears throat> in Phoenix for quite a while. Yes. Yeah. Uh, wonderful space. Yeah, I remember going to it. Actually. Yeah. Uh, were you at the upstairs one or the one that was? No. There, was, there was one. Uh, the first one was on. Uh, 
under the clock tower mm-hmm. in Phoenix. And then when the uh, canal mm-hmm. series of buildings I think I've built, been to both. I think I was to both of them. The upstairs one I love. Yeah. Because we designed it from scratch. Yeah, that's and fine. We owned it. We owned that section of the building. And uh, it was fun. It was like a New York gallery. You know, you take the elevator up. Right. And, and it was just, you know, just the right colors. Everything was perfect. Plus, you can we loved it. keep people from off the street coming as much. It's really more yes, of... Their people are seriously And they're coming. Yeah. And I see that for you. I see that as being your sweet spot to be able to... Because you're a relationship person. So that makes sense. And I actually see myself as a gallerist with an open retail more suiting my... Do you? I do. Uh-huh. Yeah. Not that I don't like relationships and some of my yeah, best friends sure. are my clients. Uh, I would say the artists are some of my greatest friends as sure. well that's the one thing that gallery has given me i think is being able to you know really get to know artists and creative people and that to me is like the joy of all joys yeah so but doing it out of my house and things like that i don't see me doing it i don't like people at my house actually <laughs> so you know right there alone i'm in well, trouble they, they almost i would say now it's uh Someone may come to the house, uh, I don't know, two to four times a year. Yeah. Because it's all done in yes. shipping and, and what have you. Or if they come to the house, they're friends anyway, yeah. and they're coming to dinner. And uh, Do you paint, Mark? No. no I've, I've tried a little bit. It's very difficult to do something when you know what you look at is not good. Unfortunately, my eye is trained to see good. And I just, and I also know the amount of effort it takes to become either decent or, you know, I'm sure I could become a decent artist. So what I do is I do do some sculpture for myself and I do photography. So, which I enjoy a lot because I can do the composition like I can a painting, right? It just is innately set up in my brain and my way I see the world to set it up. And I've had lots of my artists go, oh, you should paint. You do it like a you know, like we we do, and I go, yeah, well, compositionally, yeah, compositionally wise, yeah. I, I do see it like pain, yeah, but I can't, you know, I, no, the answer is no, mm-hmm. so I don't see that ever changing, other than maybe sculpture if I just had more time, but I think I'd rather spend it doing more things like this or or writing to me, you know, I find it more you're, interesting. You're, what, what, it's amazing, you're. You're an amazing guy to be able to do all the things you do and and write. You you still get up early in the morning and write? No, I usually write in the evening. Yeah, oh, you when, write in when the I, evening? Yeah, usually when, is what I do. Yeah, that's... Uh, I always uh, have a glass of wine with dinner, and I'm not worth much afterwards. Well, I think I, 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 if I have uh, yeah. a little, even a single glass of yeah. alcohol, it I'm I'm done for the day. Yeah, I don't drink really, so uh-huh. that takes that out of the picture. Yeah, well, that's smart. Not that I don't like it. I love the taste, uh-huh. but it's just I find it to to do just like you said. It, yeah. It takes me out of the game. Yeah. So, and I want my time to be useful as much as I can. Not that, yeah, I find writing to be, when you're really creating, when you're not editing, I think it's just very fun. It's extremely fun. Yeah, And I find this very fun, actually. To get, I want you to... Uh, pick the book 
that uh, you would have me read and sign it, and uh, I want to take it home. Yeah, Janet right. and I both yeah. want to. Read. Yeah, <laughs> I hope it lives Maybe up we'll to. Maybe we'll end up. You may end change up going your, through the whole series, or or you may change your opinion of. Well, he's not really that creative, quite frankly. That's a pretty marginal book, but yeah, yeah. no, I'd be happy to do that. You now, bet. let me ask you, kind of as we finish this up, <clears throat> you've been doing this for forty-five years. You've pretty much specialized, I would say, in the Southwest Western material. Wouldn't you say that's true? as far as what you handle? I mean, you handle everything. Good dealers always do, but really more. Well, we, we uh, in, in the last decade, been doing a great deal with Wyeth family. Yes. Yeah. But I put that in the more realism. It might not be Western. Oh, realism, as yeah. opposed to Modern uh, art, abstract. abstract. Yes. Yeah, yeah yes. exactly. Yes. So where do you see our business in 10, 20 Oh, years. my goodness. I know it's a tough question, but how do you see it changing? I think uh, that's a question I should be asking you. I think you would have a much better sense for that than I would. There's uh, Because you're dealing with artists uh, on a daily basis and know lots of good ones, you know, real artists. You yeah. have real, real artists. Uh, uh, you know, uh, ask uh, Ed Mel uh, uh, where he thinks that's going. You know, he—he's he, um, an example of what an extraordinary guy. Yeah, he—he he has been painting that long, as you know, as well as I, and he can still do fresh work. Oh yeah, that's. Unusual. Yeah, I just got a great piece for my own collection that was a transcendental that he's influenced by the transcendental show that he oh, saw. Oh, is that right? Yeah, from Johansson and uh, Bistrom yeah. and, you know, all yeah. those guys. So he's still, you know, pushing the boundaries yeah. and doing extremely successful. I think he's kind of the godfather of the what's happened. I do, of what's going on now in the Western world. Um, you know, I think he's the basis of where the next generation is looking for their inspiration. And he looked toward Dixon. And of course, a lot of these other people look toward Dixon as well. But if you, when you really come down and look at, you know, the ideology of, or the etiology of the, you know, where this modern West is going, you know, I have to say that it's firmly planted at Ed Mel's feet. So I agree, you know, and, um, I think we'll all look back at that and go, oh, yeah, he was the guy. Yeah. And you were in New York the same time he was, actually, when yeah. you were, you know, he was doing, I mean, he just has everything as well as being a, you know, a wonderful human being, but he really just has yeah. all the components he, of that. He, he is a, a wonderful human being. He's, he, he's, uh, he's humble. Oh, he's super humble. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've just touched the iceberg tip to yeah. how important he is in the field and where it's headed. So to answer your question to my question is, you know, I, I, I don't see Western art going away. I don't see native arts going away. I think it'll always be there. It is the only true, other than if you want to call abstract expressionism, it is the only true real American, American. art form, right? Mm -hmm. When you are, if you're in Japan or if you're in, you know, the, 
Germany, and you go, what's Western art? They're going to think of cowboys, Native American landscapes, deserts, you know. It's true. You know, that's our culture. That's America's culture. And um, so I think that will, I mean, look at Yellowstone, the, the, you know, the TV show <laughs> or 1882. I mean, yeah. you know, Dances with Wolves before that. Yes. So I don't see it ever going away. I think there's always going to be interest. I think there will always be We'll probably come to more recognize how important this is as part of why I do these series in a weird way, though it's not really geared just for Western Native arts, but it seems to be the majority of everything I talk about I, is that. I, 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 I love hearing you say that. Um, uh, it's a good summation, and uh, um, it's a great example of it uh, being stronger than ever. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think things like native indigenous art has really finally really started to yeah. get the um, platitudes and the, and the looks by the museums that it hasn't in the past. Yeah. And that's going to change things as well. Even though, you know, like we talked about in our talk, you know, Shoulder was running to Taos to escape the, his fame. And, that you know, and this is like in the, you know, 80s. 80s. You know, so, and his paintings, but his paintings right now are bringing world record prices each time, you know, and it just continues to explode. It continues to gain traction. So I'm very hopeful, and I see a lot of very positive things, um, even though the generation that you and I dealt with may be, de-accessing going away from what they're doing or have done because they're at that age I, I think millennials and then gen z's and all these are going oh this is really interesting this is our culture mark i'd be curious what your um uh, feel or comment uh, would be uh, about who's right up there, what painters are, that are doing the genre that we're referring to that uh, you feel are uh, some of the best and, and will endure. Yeah, I mean, we don't, no one knows, right? So you, you never can point to who that person is, though I will say Ed Mel will be one. Yeah. Yeah, without uh, a doubt uh, in, uh, in yes, my mind. No but question. you have people like Kim Wiggins, who is doing phenomenal stuff that's really tapped into his, you know, culture, his being of, you know, growing up in uh, southeastern New Mexico near Roswell. I mean, he's got that thing, you know, and you have on the more tighter end, People like Martin Greeley who are doing their thing, you know, he's a Texan, you know, and so that goes the whole gamut from Greeley to, to Mel um, and everything in between. And you have, you know, native artists like Tony Abeda, uh, you know, Mateo Romero, uh, Carol Romero, who does photography. I mean, you know, Chanto Begay, I think, is one of the top, uh, you know, native artists that's working right now, Doug Hyde, you know, and so, you know. It's fun to see Howard Post. I mean, you want to talk about somebody who really is tied into his culture and what he does, third-generation cowboy, but claimed painter, you know, has been showing the rodeo and the cowboy life, you know, for 45 and, years. And, you know, and his, and his paintings are so unique. So and unique. No, no one has attempted to yeah. copy those. They can't. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, they can't on many yeah. levels because, yes, that's right. you know, it comes from uh, the, his color uh, sense is just unique. Yeah. And, you know, also, if you've ridden a horse for 60 years, you have your own sensibility of that. You know, he, he's just now retiring from the rodeo world. Yeah. He told me the other day he came in, I think I would be okay with me sharing this, but he said, Mark, I'm a has-been. And my horse is sick, and I don't think I want to get another one. So, you know, and I could see the pain in that, you know, because that's part of who he is, even though he's a world-class painter. You know, how do you tie that into anybody else as being somebody who has staying power? I'm glad you shared that. Yeah, is somebody like Howard Post. Yeah. So he was one of the first people to kind of look from the top of the of the perspective like Dixon did Dixon mm-hmm. you know this mm-hmm. helicopter look down you know and we're actually going to have a show for him in October that's just that for, you know that's what we're talking from the, a, a view from the top and he got it because he's in the rodeo and he's sitting on st- top of the stalls and stuff watching the bulls looking at him and all that kind of stuff how do you you know that's original so I think those individuals that have originality. Those are the ones I mentioned, and a lot more. Yeah, because he, there's a he lot really more. Stands out Billy Shank me. also original, and yeah. what he's done. You know, there are um, individuals that, and they're all kind of pretty much fall into that group now. That are, you know are in their 60s to 80s kind of time. You know, so and people like Greg Condos who just passed away, who did you know, more Western California kind of things. But yeah, he trained with Wayne Tebow, or not trained, he was friends with Wayne Tebow, and he's just a very important California artist who's now just passed, but you can see his his painting starting to explode, and he'll be one that will be well-remembered for sure. Yeah, so, but again, you never know, right? You know, no, you don't. Louisa McElwain, she's another one that's, you know, has her own sensibilities. She's passed, but you know she's going to be well remembered for what she does. So you think you would know uh, as a dealer, you know, having done it for many many years. I can tell you honestly, I don't think you really do. No, you know? and and you know, for so many years, uh, Mark, people would say to me, Jeff, is there an artist that hasn't gotten as much attention right. as the and they were referring to deceased. Right. And I've always thought uh, that, and now the name is slipped, um, he was Santa Barbara. Boreen. Uh, uh, no, not Boreen. Uh, Borg. Borg. Oscar Borg, yeah. Carl Oscar Borg. Yeah. And yet that market never changed. Not yet. And, and <laughs> well, and when you look at a, a, across the, yeah. the whole field of work. Right. It, it doesn't begin to have the variation that yeah. Dixon as an example. Yeah, and if you look at Dixon in the 60s and 70s, he was kind of under the radar, really gone sideways. It wasn't until really, I think, the 80s and then the 90s that he really started to, yeah, to find. Up. Yeah, part of that was because Edith Hamlin kept on it. People like yourself, you know, had shows and recognized it. You know, all those kind of things. Don Haggerty writing books, those kind of things. Brought him. I mean, he was always. I mean, he was a he was a superstar when he was alive. I mean, yeah. he really was. Yeah, and he, he did was. amazing things. But yeah. it just shows you you don't know, you know, that if you looked at him in the 
60s and 70s or even maybe early 80s you might have gone eh, i don't know if he'll you know he's really interesting and great but i don't know and then you know 10 years later 20 you know so fritz shoulders work same kind of thing really it's it kind of the price structure really didn't do much until two years ago well it actually went way down yeah it did actually yeah. there was a period and it did then, go down and then uh yeah it's people a, find it Shows happen, Denver Art Museum, Phoenix Art Museum, books are written, scholars come upon it. You know, they start to realize, oh my God, this is a person like Ed Mel who is at the forefront of what he's doing, yeah. you know. So, yeah. you know, and, um, you know, another person I didn't mention though, but you know, I think we forget to mention these are people like Terry Kelly Moyers too and John Moyers. You know, women artists, I think, are going to have a much more important and should role. Yeah. Jill Carver, another one. Yeah, I think that you can't just um, think Western Native and being only men because I think that's changing as yeah. well. You and bet. should Veral Goodnight. You know what you a bet. career she's had. So I mean, we got a little bit off the subject because really the subject's you and not this, not not the other stuff. But you ask the questions, I'm going to answer. Anything else? Before we close up, that you want to say or I want to say thank you and uh, how much I've enjoyed uh, sitting here with you, Mark. Yeah, and me too. Uh, sharing, uh, getting to know you better through you asking me questions. Yeah, and, and uh, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate you taking the time. I think you're an important person in our business. I think you had a a substantial role in, in Dixon as well, and that it's important that you're recognized for, you know, your accomplishments and contributions to this. Thank you deal. very much. Yep. Jeff Mitchell, Art Dealer Diaries. Thank you. All right. Now I'll go sign that book for you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Good. <laughs>